So um, we are back after our big Casey Anthony, what was it, five-parter? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're past Casey Anthony. That's not all we do, actually. Yes. We, we do other stuff. Yep, and today's going to prove it because this one is pretty different than the last one. It's not a kid case. Good. Um, it's 70s. We need to change a pace. And we're going, going from the technology age back to the disco age. What I don't know what, what you want to call it. <laughs> and also, it's a mother who fights for justice instead okay. of what Casey Anthony did. <laughs> yeah. Hi, guys. I just wanted to say I hope you enjoyed this video. If you like any of the content for Code 187, please click that subscribe button, that like button, that share button. Help us out, help us grow. Um, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms. Um, yeah, check us out on there. Give us some ratings. Um, tell us what you think. We're also across every social media on Code187. So we're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I think that's it. Um, and of course, YouTube. So please, please, please subscribe um, if you like our content and spread the word. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Okay, so uh, this one is widely different. Um, so we're going to get some a little bit of mystery. A little bit of some some things going on here. Um, it's also was a Christmas Eve incident. Well, that, that's already sad. Already sad. Um, but it's that time of year. Tis the season. Yeah. Yep. So, are you ready to get started? Yep. Okay. Let's go. It was Christmas Eve, nineteen seventy-three, and Kevin Showalter and his date, Deborah Emilita were only two blocks away from home when the tire on the car blew out. Which, we've all been there. This is the most aggravating thing in the whole entire world. Um, I'm sure the last thing that they wanted to deal with on Christmas Eve. Um, so, it was past 11 p.m. and they pulled over so Kevin could get out and change the tire. It's nighttime, the road was pretty dim, so Kevin was struggling. I am sure he was pretty mad <laughs> you <don't have laughs> saying a, some words. You don't have a cell phone light at that, you know, back then. Right. Um, and Deborah was sitting in the car or kind of over to the side. Um, they lived in New London, Connecticut. So I'm sure it was pretty cold That's this night. Yep. Um, cold Christmas Eve night. Um, as, you said they were two blocks away, right? Yep, two blocks from yeah. home. Yep. And I'll get this whole big thing explained. Mapped out. Yep, later. So as Kevin was bent down checking the tire, a car came out of nowhere and hit him at full mm. speed. Deborah got out and all she could see was Ted tail lights, excuse me, fade into the night. After hearing some noise, some neighbors came out as well, but no one got a good description of the car or the driver. So that's the scene that we're dealing with, and we'll go into some more detail later. But what do you think so far? Well, at first, I was like, who's Ted? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're saying, trying to say taillights. You said Ted. No. Oh. <laughs> I was like, who's Ted? Um, okay. So serious note, though. It, it, I mean, 
obviously it sounds like a hit and run right now. Mm -hmm. So hit and run close to the house. Um, yep. I mean, it, it was a little weird at first that they're changing the tire so close to home and mm -hmm. like not just kind of going home. And I don't know what <laughs> I feel. Bill Young saying this, but I don't know what they had back in the 70s. I assume they'd have stuff like AAA and stuff like that still. But I don't know. I don't know if they did or not, but I, you know, I feel like if they did, we should go home and call AAA and then walk back out there. Uh, but yeah, sounds like hit and run. Yep. And I will say before we go on any further, there's a lot of facts that aren't facts and stuff that gets miscued and it was 73 and so some things were reported and some things weren't and so there's certainly some discrepancy in this case and we will see as we go on awesome sounds confusing <laughs> it, it is so let's talk about kevin on this night and uh kind of his movements so kevin is 20 years old and he worked at a bar in town called the back door Clever. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'll just keep my comments to myself. Um, now, supposedly Kevin and Deborah weren't dating, nor were they like super close, but they knew of each other. Um, they saw each other at the bar earlier that night, and Kevin asked her to go to a Christmas party with him that night. Now, what I'd heard in one article was that Deborah didn't really know who was throwing this party, who was going to be at this party. She didn't know Kevin that well, but it was a date. And I don't know if dates back in the 70s were like that. Were but sketchy? Yeah, that sounds very <laughs> sketchy. Right. Probably not how you would do it now. Now you'd be like, all right, you know, I'm at least going to take one of my friends with me. I'm going to have my phone tracking on so my friends know where I'm at. Mm -hmm. I have my Finger on the button on the Uber for the safe, you know, like just in case. <laughs> yep. So Deborah was driving her a 1973 blue Ford Pinto. And she was originally going to meet up with friends that evening. But then Kevin asked her out and she decided to go. Um, at about 9 p.m., they left the bar together. And Kevin was supposed to go in his 1968 Ford Thunderbird. But his car would not start. So the two went back to Kevin's place in Deborah's car. They hung out for a while and then decided not to go to the party. And so instead of doing that, they got in Deborah's car and headed back to the bar to get Kevin's car. Kind of confusing. Confusing, yeah. Um, but that's where we are. Um, on the way back to the bar is when the tire blew out. Okay. So, okay. All right. Yep. We have following, I think. Okay. <laughs> um, this is when Kevin got out to change the tire. Um, I guess Kevin had no idea what he was doing. Like, same. I don't know how to change a tire. I, I would not know where to put a jack. And they said, like, neighbors saw him, like, Trying get the jack. Yeah, <laughs> get the jack, put it in the wrong place, go back. Like, people were seeing him try to change this tire. Right, which, I mean, it's... It, Again, we talk about the difference in times. You don't have a phone. You can't just YouTube, how do I change a tire? Mm -hmm. um, so if he'd never done it before, he probably didn't know. Um, but, I mean, already 
the thing that keeps popping in my head is even if this wasn't a hit and run, everybody please, when you pull off the side, pull way off. Give yourself rim because that's dangerous. That's exactly what I was going to get into next was this process was taking a while. And as he was crouching near the car, neighbors were like, wow, he put himself in a really bad position because he was on this street called Pequa Avenue. Um, and from what witnesses has said, the car wasn't fully pulled over. So they were kind close of in the middle the, of the street. Yeah, close to the line at least. Yeah, Kevin was crouched down on what sounds like the driver's side. And that's right into oncoming unco- traffic. I mean, you hear all the time about people getting hit in these situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took a while. Uh, when Kevin was hit... Um, Deborah began looking for him. Uh, she saw a shoe in the middle of the road, and Kevin was found by the opposite side of the road, laying face up. Man, that's that's what I you were asking for first thoughts. That was one of my first thoughts, as you described it, like he got hit and he was gone. Yeah. And so he must have gone a ways. Yes. How far? We're not sure. <laughs> far enough um, that from she everything. Had to, far enough she had to go look for him. Right. It was like he was crouched down, and then he went under the car, and then we... He went under it. Oh, under the the car that hit him? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yep, and then apparently that's where they found him. Right. Um, So 911 was called a few minutes later, and they came pretty quickly. Um, But they kind of announced Kevin was dead. Like, there wasn't much they could do. Yeah, Yeah, there wasn't much they could do for him. Um, So this was a tragic case of a hit and run. Um, two policemen went that night to tell the family of Kevin that he had been hit, which I was reading this and I was like, as a mother, this is like your worst nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially when like you find out at least to this point in the story, you find this out and you know, this, the kid did nothing wrong. I mean, he pulled a little too close to the road, but it's like a, it's a mistake. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like he was. Drinking and driving from the sounds of it so far. Right. Like that. No. Um, So a couple weeks later, Kevin's mother went to the police station and was going to gather his belongings. Uh, The police officers told her outright the belongings were lost and this case would not be solved. They said, (laughs) go on with your life. It was a hit and run. Case closed. That's it. What? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) What do they mean by it wouldn't be solved? They basically told her, we don't know who did it. We're not going to know who did it. So they're just, they, they gave up. They're like, no, no, like she, all she saw was taillights. So she can't identify the car. They're like, well, we don't have enough to go on. They're just like, it's closed. And then they're also like, but you also get none of his belongings back. Right. That it's weird. We'll we'll get into it. That's the the first part that feels a little fishy. Be prepared to get upset. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's been par for the course. So right. Um, So Kevin's mother Lucille would not rest. She said in an interview that she knew there was a car and a driver, and she would not rest until she found them. And neighbors watching, apparently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lucille decided that if police wouldn't find out who did this, she would. So um, all she had to go on was that there was apparently green paint on Kevin's clothing. She searched used car lots. She looked into every damaged car that was in the city. That had to have come from the 
police telling her that, I would assume. Must have. Because they didn't let her have her clo- his clothes, so mm-hmm. they must have said that much to her. Yep. Um, so soon she got crime scene photos and looked meticulously over them for anything she missed. She went door to door, conducted interviews with people in the area. Um, when she went to go take all of this to the police, because she was like, all right, here, this is going to aid in your investigation. Um, they told her she was withholding evidence and that they were not very happy that she was doing all of this. Wow. Basically, they just want to be done with this. They don't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. So, of course, she did not give up. Um, it was good to have, like, <laughs> this story of this mother going, like, helping say, after had, the last five you, episodes. You said this didn't have anything to do with Casey Anthony, but, I mean, this feels like, you know, what Casey Anthony should have been doing. Exactly. So, Anyways, yeah, it was, uh, it was a nice change of pace for me. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's get away from Casey Anthony, though. <laughs> yep. Um, she convinced the state to put up a reward. It was for $2,000. Um, I don't know how much that would have been in the 70s. Probably a lot more. Than- it would have been more. I'm sure it wasn't like you're set for life, though. Right. <laughs> it was like, you know, it was still pretty good, though. <laughs> <clears throat> yep. Um, and it also gave attention to the case was what she wanted to do anyway. It just kind of blows my mind, though, that she convinced the state to do that, but still the local police department's just like, stop, yeah. <laughs> basically. They're like, we don't want any incentive for you trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And so she went through a bunch of different avenues. She wrote a bunch of different congressmen. She wrote everyone she could think of, like, please help me figure out what happened to my son. And a lot of people just flat out ignored her. So... There's that. Right. Um, as Lucia was trying everything she could, she had a chance encounter that changed everything. While asking around about her son's accident that night, she met Harvey Malo. They quickly became friends. Um, Harvey was the former mayor of New London, which is the town that they were in. Right. Um, he also worked as a jewelry merchant, so he was wealthy. Um. Harvey had quite the story for Lucille. He drove past the scene that night. He told her he was out that night going to a Christmas party. He had driven down the road in his yellow Lincoln Continental. He had driven past the scene of the accident at 11.12, which was less than a minute after the vehicle struck Kevin. He reported a green car parked by the side of the road, a middle-aged man who was talking to a young woman, Presumably, Kevin's girlfriend, Deborah. Mm. Very different story. Right. Than even what Deborah said. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was something that Lucille had not heard before, and it was definitely interesting. So, they placed this green car with this green paint at the scene in the correct time frame. Right. Um, so, we have a car, but we don't have a suspect. Well, we kind of have a suspect. Kind now of. we're suspecting Deborah of uh, at least talking to the person who did it. Yep, but that's kind of where a lot of things stalled for a while. Um, We have this Harvey's story, which kind of lines up. Uh, We have hardly any evidence. (laughs) A police force that's not doing much. Um, And a mother who's just constantly writing to people. Right. Um, So she's writing to all these congressmen, and she finally, three years later, in 1976 
gets the governor to assign a one-man jury to this case. Which, I mean, it, it's crazy when you think of trying to get evidence on something and you talk about something that didn't have anything in the first place and then it goes three years cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be tough. Yep. So um, I when I saw this, I was like, what is a one-man jury? Yeah, I, I kind of wondered that too. So I looked it up. Um, basically, this is kind of a in-between step. So when you have cases that aren't murder, which is what we're normally talking about, used to talking about, <laughs> you have like drug theft or, in this case, a hit and run. Or drug theft. Or drug theft. <laughs> um, he stole my weed. Um, <laughs> Can we get that as like a soundbite? <laughs> soundbite. <laughs> um so this is kind of the middleman. You have basically where the governor assigns one person who is usually a judge, well, all the time a judge, um, to go over the case and see if it should go to a trial with a jury. Gotcha. So you have an investigation, but it's not like a full investigation. I don't know how it would go to a case with a jury, though, because they still don't have a suspect. Right. Okay, so a one-man jury began. As they looked for evidence, they ran into a little bit of a problem. There was none. There was none. (laughs) (laughs) All the evidence was lost. Like, literally pretty much all of it. So I'm going to tell you right now where my my theory has been going in my head. Okay. Just because I think it's interesting to see if it's anywhere close. Okay. I'm thinking that whoever did this is somehow part of the police or uh, at least a very important person to the police, like a big donor or something, because the fact that the police don't want to do anything with this and the fact that they're losing evidence and they're just trying to avoid this case more than most places I've ever heard of makes me feel like they not only do they not want to find the person, they might know who the person is and they don't want that person to be found. You led me right into what I was going to say. We, we don't practice it. <laughs> we don't. We don't. Um, I think most of people's feelings right now were the same. They're yeah. like, this is a botched is, case. Right. It's really poorly uh, investigated at the very least. Right. Uh, the police failed to do their job that night. They ruled it as a hit and run, but didn't bother to find the person responsible. Um, where did this evidence go? Did they bother to collect it or just do away with everything from the start? Right, because they didn't have it to give it to mom, so maybe they never had it. Right. Um, also, there is pieces of evidence that you could have explored, like blood splatter, tire tracks, positioning, um, interviewing the people who was out around in the town that night. Right. I mean, um, let alone him, the neighbors. Yeah, people saw him changing the tires. I mean, mm-hmm. or even just what the state did and asking for a reward. I mean, there's yep. things they could have done. Yep. Um, I mean, a lot of people are going to be like, well, there was no cameras, which there wasn't. Right, but uh, you still, like we said, the guy who drove by a, a minute later. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not a, an abandoned road. People are going to be driving by and seeing the scene before the police get there. Right. Um So, why wouldn't they want to know who committed this crime? We start to see that maybe they didn't want to find the driver. Starting to feel like it. But why? That was a huge question. Why? So, 
Well, <laughs> let's first go over some troubling facts in this case, and then it'll start to be kind of pieced together. Uh, the ambulance arrived quickly, but it took a long time for the police to come. So 911 and the ambulance came. They put Kevin into the back of the ambulance and waited for the police to arrive, basically. Right. Um, this accident happened to be right around shift change. Mm. So basically, you know, people shouldn't die in inconvenience. The police at that time. Yeah, I mean, Come on. You gotta get your coffee before you can. Right. There was some discrepancy between who the investigator was going to be. So basically, the person who was getting off shift was like, I'm out. I'm done. I'm going to Christmas. No, I'm See you later. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so I'm that person... Be, I'm not trying to be disparaging to police departments, but this... Police this department. one was bad, yeah. yeah. Um, the person who just got on shift was like, I don't know what's going on even. I just got here. Like, what do I do? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, a investigator did write up an accident report a couple of hours later. It was a bad report, though. <laughs> it was a very bad report. I'm guessing it's like... No details. Yeah, there's basically nothing. Everything was very vague. And what was there was complete lies. So, um... <laughs> okay, I need to let you talk. I was going to say, well, why would you lie? If it was a hit and run, like, what is the harm in just being, this is what happened? Right. So, this police report, it was full of complete lies. Um, he said the street lights were out, which was not true at all. It had all been on. I mean, it may not have been bright, but, yeah. Okay. I I'm, I'm, guess I kind of see why. I'm, I'm sitting here going, why would you lie about something like that? But it, it's seeming like a cover-up, so let's see. Yep. Um, he said that Kevin had no pulse at the scene, but he arrived after Kevin was taken away. Right. So. We were so late that Kevin was already gone, so. Right. Yeah. Um, he said that Kevin was thrown 20 feet when it was more like 50 feet. Which, okay, so going back to the pulse thing, maybe he did that based off of what, what they had they said. Him, like, but you're not supposed him. to do that. Well, true. I was going to say maybe he went off the paramedics were like, this is, you know, we got there, there was no pulse. He mm -hmm. was this far away, and they just went off of what they told him. Right. Maybe. But maybe. like you said, they're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Um, it kind of seems, and a lot of people have said this, like this police report was just literally made up hours later. Like, they did nothing at the scene, and then he went back to the police station and was like, I'm just going to think like, about it, I guess. He just showed up at the scene and everybody was gone, and he was like, hey, I'm going to go back home and make up a story. Right. Um, a separate police officer wrote that he picked up some glass that could have been from a car that hit Kevin. He found some kind of gray substance that was later claimed to have been green, car putty, or very thick paint on a car. So it's the two mechanics and people who make car are into cars. Car putty is like a thick paint that's like kind of like sometimes underneath the car. Okay. Yeah. I mean, no I, idea. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know a ton about that, um, but I, I kind of assumed it was either that or maybe it was like two. Uh, fill in yeah. spots like if you know like what you would normally use house putty for like to fill in like a dent or something like a, like a hole in the car or something like that mm -hmm. 
But when questioned later, this police officer had no idea where this putty went. So there's that. On top of that, state police found the green paint particles that were on Kevin's clothing, supposedly. So at this point, the state police are involved, it sounds like. Um, yeah, I mean, whoever's investigating the case. Yeah. I would assume it's state police. They know, yeah. Um, so this green paint particles, this is one thing that Lucille basically asked around about. Green car. She it's wanted to know who has car. a green car. Green, green, green. I mean... Not the most common color, even right. in the seventies. I'm sure it was more common in the seventies, but it I mean, that should narrow it down pretty good. I doubt New, New London's huge, right? Um, so they believe now that it was planted, that there was no green anything, right? Um, and that it wasn't from the impact of the car. Okay, so so we have nothing. Yeah. And this kind of explains a little bit of what happened here. You see, uh, right after the accident, they had sent off the glass and Kevin's clothing to the lab for testing. And then they say it disappeared. So somewhere between the lab and all of this. To the lab personally. I think they sent it to the trash and then they're like, well, crap. <laughs> yeah. Well, conveniently, the piece of glass showed back up after oh. the case was being reviewed. Hmm. Um, and the clothes as well. Um, however, when tested, the glass was completely different glass. It wasn't was even part of the car. wasn't even part of the car that was even at all. I, I'm <laughs> just like every incompetent thing I can think of is happening. Like it, in my mind, I'm sitting here going, "It was probably like a beer bottle," and they're just, yeah. like, just like some stained, like brown colored glass. I'm like, oh, maybe this is a windshield. Yeah. Um, and the clothes had no green on them whatsoever. No green. Um, so people are like, all right, there's something more going on here. This is like, yeah, you're incompetent. But you're also purposely misleading. misleading. Yeah. Like they even said that they believe that at some point they took Kevin's clothes and rubbed them on a green car. <laughs> but the green car was not even... In the investigation at all. There was no green card. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even know where to go with that. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, like, there was an envelope that they also gave over as evidence. But they found out that there was just a button from Kevin's clothes. But it had DNA that wasn't even near anything in the envelope. So it was just somehow there. And a piece of tile. And people are like, where did they get a piece of tile from? It's like... They, like, they were they just throwing stuff in an envelope and being like, this is even, evidence. They can't even frame it. <laughs> they can't they frame it place. right. Like, they're, whatever they're trying to... Whatever picture they're trying to paint, they can't even do that. Right. So, the Superior Court judge that reviewed this case and was the one-man jury is Joseph Donahue. Um, he quickly said that the police had done virtually nothing to find the driver. Um, yes, <laughs> but because of so many lost items and people to interview, this ended up being like a huge, massive case. So what was supposed to be this quick review of, to see if it need, needed to even go to a jury ended up being very, very expensive on the town. Yeah. Um, at this point they spent over $1 million called 107 witnesses to testify and everyone agreed that the police basically dropped the ball in this case. Yeah. 
So was there something more though? That's what your taxpayer's dollars go to in New London is that. Right. Yep. One of the biggest pieces of this case case was Harvey Malov, his eyewitness account. This was huge. This is what everyone hinged their and what I've been Takes waiting on. for you to get back to. Right. There you go. What happened with that? <laughs> okay. But quickly, things took a turn. Seven different eyewitnesses directly contradicted Harvey's statements, claiming they never saw a green vehicle at the scene, nor his Lincoln Continental pass by. And no vehicle showed up until the ambulance at 11.15. A most damning of these witnesses was Amelia. Kevin's girlfriend, who confirmed that she spoke to nobody. There was no middle-aged man or green car. So the former mayor's entire story seemed to be fabricated. But no one expected what Judge Donahue decided. He concluded that Harvey Malove was the probable driver of the vehicle that struck and killed Kevin. But he recommended against prosecution... Um, because the case had been so badly misconstrued, there's no way he would have been convicted. There's no way, yeah. No way anybody can convict on that. Mm -hmm. Um, He said most key evidences were grossly mishandled or missing, so there was nothing they could do. Um, Donahue said that it was likely that the evidence had been tampered with, Um, and it was going to be hard to overcome and do anything in this case. So everyone was shook. Like, yeah, they didn't have that word in the 1970s, but people were shook, man. Well, I, I mean, I feel like I was kind of going that way because it, it's sad to say that this is what made me think that way. But you said that he was wealthy, and mm-hmm. so immediately I'm like, okay, so donor to the police department. Plus, he's a former mayor. I mean, he hired those police. Yeah. So, like, I mean. <laughs> It makes sense that he's the one that has the power that everybody's kind of like, yeah, we don't want him to stop funding our police department, so we're going to make it, you know, he stopped by the police station and said, hey, uh, I hit somebody, don't tell anybody. Right. Cover it up for me. However, like, I kind of think, like, there's there's not really, like, any evidence that says he did, though. Like, they just kind no. of were like, he lied about it, he there's inserted just, himself. There's just no evidence in general. Right. But, I mean... Yeah, it just his makes the most of it. Like you said, there's no way you can convict on that. Right. So Lucille was so defeated at this point. Like yeah. she had trusted this guy who was supposed to be this witness and it was supposed to be. At one point. Right. And he was supposed to be doing right by her son. And then. I, it kind of makes me wonder if he wasn't kind of being like, hey, I'm going to be friends with you. Tell me what you're finding out so I know if you're getting close to me or not. Yep. Very, very good point. Um, Harvey says he's completely innocent. He denies everything. Sure. (laughs) He took a lie detector test and passed and even hired a private investigator to find the real driver. Now, now that he's a suspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fine. Let's just wait a few years. And then, you know what? If you're going to suspect me, I guess I'll help out. Right. Um, but the case kind of stalled a little bit because there wasn't really much anybody could do. Like, who would you even convict? But in September 1979, a man who was not Harvey confessed to the crime. It was Paul Hansen. Hansen. 
sorry. Um, he confessed to being the hit and run driver that night. According to Paul, it was Christmas Eve. He'd been out partying and eventually drove home despite being blackout drunk. Intoxicated. Yeah. Um, he said he groggily sped up Pequa Avenue, the same street that Kevin had been killed, and he felt some minor impact, but he ignored it because he was drunk. Yeah, I don't think that'd be minor. I think you're yeah. If if you are in that state, you probably felt like it was minor at the time, but I doubt it was minor. Right. Um he went home, went to bed. Um, had no memory of how he got home. Um, he surveyed his car and discovered some minor damage. Um, as reports of Kevin's death flooded in and the media, uh, he thought about his route home, the minor bump, the damage, and he was like, it was probably me. I don't know about that. Yeah, no, that's, that's weird. Right. I mean, I've, I've heard of people doing that, like not hitting somebody obviously but i've heard of people and i obviously we shouldn't have to say this but we will say this don't ever drive home drunk yeah never ever ever it's just uber it's yeah now you have (laughs) yeah it's never it well i shouldn't say never it seems like it's never the person doing it that is the one who ends up having to pay for it it's always the the innocent person the families and Mm -hmm. the innocent people and yeah just don't do it yeah don't do it not worth it never worth it just pay the few extra bucks or have somebody drive you home that you know. Um, but I, I do know of people that have done that before. Sometimes as hard as you try, you can't take somebody's keys away from them. Right. I, I've tried to take people's keys away from them and have them, you know, just leave. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you, you can't stop somebody from doing it sometimes. And yeah, I've heard of people getting home and being like, I don't remember how I got home. Yeah. Like, really? You don't remember me fighting you before you left? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, no. You tried to stop me? I'm like, yeah. I can say that I have never not known how I got home. Yeah. I I usually just stay wherever I'm partying. I mean, we've talked about this before. I'm really going, so I can't drive. Yeah. I I didn't have keys to start with. I'm not going to have keys to finish with. (laughs) So, yeah. There's probably been times I don't remember how I got home, but I know I wasn't driving because I wouldn't even know how to drive, probably. <laughs> it'd be bad if we started driving. Yeah, no, it just, it's just not something that's good. Everybody knows when I go with them, they're like, oh, he's either going home in an Uber or not driving. Yep. So they looked <laughs> into this Paul guy and his explanation for what happened um however it was too late to prosecute him because the statute of limitations had run up which means at least 10 years right usually well the typical statute for um hit and run is six years i didn't realize see that's something i learned there too as i didn't know it was different for different um yeah different for different states and stuff and different yeah different things um and paul confessed right around the six-year mark so Hmm. Convenient. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they called so in. You imagine he talked to his lawyer at some point and, or talked to a lawyer at some point. And he's like, so say I, I drank <laughs> too much and I accidentally hit somebody with my car. Hypothetically, of course. Yeah. Um, when can I tell people that I did that and not go to prison? Mm-hmm. 
Good work, Paul. I don't like you. <laughs> I don't know if you did it or not, but I don't like you at this point in the story. Right. So they called in for another investigation and they found that Paul's story was baseless. Like they didn't believe there was any evidence. All right. So now, evidence. I, now I just, I still don't like Paul. Because why did you make that up? <laughs> right. And you want the attention of being the six, the hit and run driver from six years ago and, and that poor mom too, who's like, okay, maybe we finally got something. Yeah. I mean, he could have not known how he got home. None of it could have been true. He could have, deer. He could have not hit anything at all he and just thought. <laughs> right. Um, so at this point, because they have really nothing to go on, they decide they're going to seal all the evidence in the case. Um, and people start kind of forgetting about it. Um, Paul was off the hook. He had no repercussions. There was no way to get Mal love. So right. what do we do? Um, sure Mal love's private investigators just, you know, collecting paychecks at this point. Like, hey, man, just you just hang out at your house, all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll keep paying you. You just keep sitting there watching, I don't know, whatever was on in the at 80s <laughs> at this point. Right. Um, this is kind of a sad part though. Paul went through like a horrible inner battle. Um, he never forgave himself for Kevin's death. And in 2005, he took his own life. Um, yeah. he left behind a note that said that he had guilt and sorrow for. So he must have really believed. He, he must have really believed he did. I don't know. But so that happened. Um, because of this in 2005, it sparked new interest to the case. And people really latched onto it because it's such a mystery. Because, you know, 2005, we're starting to get into the social media age. So mm -hmm. it's getting to the point where everybody's like, oh, hey, there's a case. Let's dig into it. Right. But they couldn't do much because the records and all the court transcripts were all sealed. sealed. Yep. Um, and the judge said for this, like, they tried to position to get it not to get it public. Mm -hmm. um, but the judge said it's too old. It's been gone too long. We're not opening it. Right. Um, some people believe that this could be a police cover-up to help out Harvey Malove. Um, was he the one that did it and the police covered it up, planted evidence to help out their former mayor and friend? Right. Possible. Um, real possible because get this. The former mayor was coming home from a Christmas Eve party that night with a lot of rich people, important people. There was a lot of people on the road that night that yeah. shouldn't have been. Just kind of the way it paints. A lot of, a lot of people who were felt like they're above the law. Mm -hmm. So and this was... They apparently were. Yeah. This was a big piece of information. And those court transcripts and records that the judge said were too old, well, <laughs> they no longer exist. Wow. They're gone. Um, this was the largest hit-and-run investigation ever conducted. Um, 12 volumes with over 3,000 pages of documents, um, records from two grand jury hearings, all of them vanished. There were no copies made, just gone. This is such a frustrating case. It really is. Um, I mean, it, it, uh, it has to be somebody with some power. It has to be, yeah. I mean, it, it, it has to be. And on it, like... The part that kind of blows my mind, too, is I'm, I'm surprised that the people with the power didn't go, yeah, well, it was Paul. Right. Like when he confessed. Yeah, like, pinned it on him. Yeah. Like, he's confessing it was him. Like, let's let's do whatever we can to make it that he did it. Right. 
Um, this is what I think is sad. If this former mayor drove home drunk, hit this man, killed him, had his buddies cover up this fake sighting of this car, put flakes of green paint on his clothes, all of this, for another man to take his own life because of guilt? Yeah. Like, what the heck? That is terrible. Two people when really it should have been none. If right. shouldn't have been driving home intoxicated in the first place. Yep. Um, Harvey Malove, Paul Henson, and Judge Donahue have all since passed away. Harvey said since the day he died that he was innocent. And Lucille always searched for her son's killer until she passed. Uh, the tragic accident will go down in history because we'll never know what really happened. I just, and the whole thing, I feel bad for uh, Lucille. Mm-hmm. I mean, good on, like, that's a good mother, though, yes. too. I mean, she did a, a great job, and she went above and beyond what a lot of people would do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's got, that's, I can't get it out of my head. It's got to be somebody with power. Mm-hmm. How could all that go missing? Yeah. I think that either... It had nothing to do with... It was either Paul or it wasn't Malove. And they yeah. it basically, like, because of the shift change, because they didn't want to investigate it, because they may have never done a case like this, I don't know what reason, but decided that they weren't going to do anything. And right. then when it came time to review, they just made up stuff. Yeah, like, uh, and it looked like they were framing someone or whatever. I, I mean, so I think... That could be, but I don't know if that's true or not. I think another possible thought could be if um, you said there's a bunch of people at that party, a bunch of rich, important people. Mm-hmm. It could be that Matt Love guy covering up for one of his friends who did it, too. Yep. Being like trying to misdirect and being like, hey, um, yeah, I, I saw her talking to somebody in a green car, obviously knowing the car's not green. Mm-hmm. Um, Saying, oh, she was talking to a, a middle-aged man when really, like, the person who it would have been could have been a, an old man. And so mm-hmm. he's like, I'll misdirect by saying middle-aged. You know, maybe maybe yeah. he was covering for one of his friends, too. Could have been. Apparently, everybody was going to a Christmas party that night, too. <laughs> that's, that's all the stories. Yeah, so it was like, many... were Christmas parties really popular in the yeah. 70s? And in, in New London, which I, I still I feel like I'm after this, I'm going to go look up the population of New London. Because I'm like, in my head, I'm trying to sit here going, is this a town of like a thousand people? And everybody's having a Christmas party at the same time? <laughs> or is this a town of like 200,000 people and... You know, makes I sense don't know on that. Not, yeah, no, I, that's that's totally normal. That's just my brain being weird. But yeah. I'm sitting here going, I've never heard of New London. It can't be that big. Right. So that is the case. Poor Kevin. Everyone failed him. Poor Paul. Except for his mom. Poor, poor Paul. Poor Lucille. Poor his Deborah. Like, poor Deborah. <laughs> well, Deborah, at one point, kind of got blamed. Yeah, and Deborah didn't have anything to do with it. And she only knew the guy. Very, very little. Right. Yeah, she... I forgot about that. She basically was going to a party with no people she knew with somebody she just met, and she's stuck in the middle of this. Right. It's all sad. And I'm sure the mom was probably... Um, Lucille was probably like, Deborah, what do you know? Right. 
Oh, and if she yeah. doesn't know, it's you imagine that everybody else around probably doesn't see much either. Right. Um, yeah, that's something we're never going to get to find out the answer to. It mm-hmm. sounds like. I love these cases. I know you don't, but. I, I don't. So we've talked about this before. She likes cases that are mysteries, mysteries where you're like, what could have happened? Mm-hmm. And I am like, I like cases that have closure that you can be like, what's wrong with the person who did this? Like, we know who did it, but what's what's wrong with them? What psychologically happened to break them? Yeah. And, and that's kind of where you and I differ, which is good to be different. We could do both kinds different of cases. Perspectives, yeah. Or cases that you think are solved, but other people have questions. I think those where you and I cross over is when there's a case, like, we've talked about making a murder. Mm-hmm. It's solved, but does everybody believe it's solved? Right. No, like there's a lot of people that are Stephen Avery's innocent, uh-huh. and there's a lot of people that are like he's guilty. So it's all technically, but not really. Yep. I gave you not a kid case this week, though. Thank you. But we needed a break. <laughs> yeah, we needed a break. All right. Well, I guess we'll be back with another one at some point. I don't know if we'll take a break for Christmas or not. Who knows? But well, have a good holiday. Do not drink and drive. Yes, that's what I was Think about say. Kevin when you right. are drinking. Yeah. You you don't want to be in a case like this. Never. You don't want to have to live through things like this. Yep. You don't want to have to, and I hate saying it like this because it, it's going to feel harsh, but you don't want to have to feel what Paul felt. Right. Because um, it all lived with feeling like he might have done that. And that mm. was that rough on Paul. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. Yep. All right. And we'll be back with another one next time. Bye guys. Peace. Some of my content has mention of extreme violence, sexual assault, and or other triggering content. Discretion is advised.